Hey folks, welcome to episode number 14 of Josh's Worst Nightmare Podcast presented by Denver Horror Collective. I am your host, Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we are welcoming Joanne Cheney. Joanne Cheney is the author of What You Don't Know, which was long listed for the Crime Writers Association's John Creasy New Blood Dagger Award and was one of Book Riot's Best Mysteries of the Year and As Long As You Both Shall Live, which was optioned by Bruna Papandrea's Made Up Stories before it was published in 2019. She lives in Colorado with her family. Welcome to my nightmare, Joanne. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I'm really glad you're here. We first met uh, in 2019 when I came up with a dark acoustic guitar piece to accompany one of your short stories for our Denver Horror Collective event, Music to My Fears, where horror authors reading stories to live musical accompaniment. And yeah, your story was was really scary. Like it it <laughs> disturbed me. And it was I don't know what the word blithely means, but it feels like it was just it blithely just uh, put out a lot of darkness into the world. It started very innocent. And then just like, what, what? Oh my God. So uh, yeah, that was, it was tremendous. And so I definitely wanted to have you on to talk about a topic relevant to biological horror for folks who are aware or who are not. I invite on horror authors to talk about an aspect of bio horror, which is living creatures and vital processes sometimes relevant to their writing. And um, so for this episode, we are talking about the wonders of pregnancy and uh-huh. wh- why, why are we talking about that? Well, I am almost seven months pregnant now. So uh, you said wonders and it made me laugh because it's like the horrors of pregnancy. So, <laughs> well, horror is a kind of wonder and yeah. we can talk about all that stuff, but uh, here's the only thing I know about pregnancy. This is all I know about it based on science. So the male of a species, he pees or urinates into the butt of the female, right? Oh, right. Then, That's exactly how it happens. Yep. And then eggs are involved. I don't really get it. Uh, yep. <laughs> something so, like that. It's a mystery. I don't know myself. <laughs> one day we'll figure it out, but there's something going on there. But I guess the first question to be to be asked is that, is your current state tying into anything that you're working on right now? Um, it is. So I am, I just finished up uh, another book that my agent is going to be putting out on submission. So I've started on a new draft of another book that's untitled, but it is, I write um, crime fiction. So it is going to, as of now, uh, is going to be about a woman who has had um several miscarriages and is desperate to have a baby. Um, and she ends up murdering and pregnant women or, you know, tracking down a pregnant woman and and cutting the baby out of her. And then the police are on the hunt for her. So that is horrifying. And that has happened. Yes. A lot actually, which is very strange, but yeah, it's, we've all heard about it on the news before. So that's a, it's a very disturbing version of baby fever, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. Oh, baby fever is a good title. Mm. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, so of course, what we end up seeing in dark fiction, particularly horror fiction, is the concept of 
the baby growing as a parasite, right? And, and lots of times moms will joke about that. Uh-huh. That's not really true, right? No, it's totally true. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I actually, um, so I have three older kids um, and with my daughter, who is my, my youngest as of now, um, the doctor had joked, it was, she was a very honest kind of hip doctor. And she had joked with me and I said something about the baby being a parasite because they literally are leeching off of you. It's very aliens, you know? And, um, she said, yeah, that's exactly joking aside. That's exactly how it is. So, you know, you get some women just get so, you know, you get tired and there, your skin is dry and you feel just horrible, but the baby's sucking everything it can out of you. So, and then when you get, I mean, like with this, this COVID thing, my, I'm pregnant women are considered autoimmune deficient while they're pregnant because it's, everything's going to protect the baby, which is how a parasite lives, you know? So I guess it's true. (laughs) I mean, it has your DNA. I guess that's the difference between yeah. So you give it a break there <laughs> <laughs> between a, a leech that might not have your DNA, but yeah, I guess it's pretty accurate. And then once they're born, they're still kind of a bit parasitical for, right. I mean, I think about my relationship with my parents, like, sure. I'm, I'm still in some ways a parasite on them. Right. So. My oldest is 19. He's a total parasite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess that never changes. So that, that analogy holds, I suppose, but let's talk a little more about the physical symptoms of being pregnant because that's some rich territory. So I recently have written about elderly people. We're calling this subgenre elder horror, which Mm -hmm. just made up, but elderly people obviously have aches and pains. There's a lot of built-in tension and suspense and stress for an elderly person. Tying your shoe is not just tying your shoe. It's like bending over, oh, try not to hurt my back. So some similarity in pregnancy, no? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, and especially I think for me, so my three older kids are all teenagers right now. I'm 41. So I'm considered geriatric pregnancy, <laughs> um, which is awful and made me cry when the doctor first said that. But so it's like amplified because I can remember being pregnant in my twenties and it was, I mean, it wasn't as hard as it is now. Like everything is, it's double the pain, double the misery. Everything is much harder because not only am I older. I mean, 41 is not old, but I'm older. And then I'm also pregnant and I'm, you know, 20 pounds over my walking around weight. (laughs) So sure. Yeah. The physical, physical stuff is bad. So what does it feel like to have a giant thing growing inside of you? Like that's something that we, as men, we can never, we can never feel, I mean, trans men, of course, but like a biological male is, is not necessarily going to be experiencing that. So we can only imagine it. So we need you all to paint that picture. So the closest I've ever been able to, so it doesn't really feel like anything until the baby starts moving. And it's usually five, five months or so you start feeling it moving. And it is so obscenely like you know, the aliens where they're bursting out of the bursting out of their chest and you can feel it. Or, I mean, I'm at the point where now, um, I'm far enough along. I can see the baby move. Like he'll put his elbow or his foot in my stomach will stretch and you can see what it is. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is cool, (laughs) but it's also a little 
horrifying because you have this and he'll, the baby will, and all of them did, but he'll wake me up in the middle of the night with the moving, like thrashing around. And it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's just so, it's like having really bad gas, but <laughs> I don't know how to explain Nine months of gas. Yes. I mean, and it's, whew. But I mean, it is, it is, there is something alive in there and it is, he has a personality. Like my daughter, the other night I was laying on my back and she was pushing in on my stomach with her hands and the baby was kicking back at it and she'd move her hand and poke somewhere else and he'd push at it. And so he's in there, he's aware. And it's very, in some ways it's very magical. In other ways, it's very creepy. (laughs) So it's. I mean, it is a wonder. I used that term before. It's a biological wonder that we can do this as humans, or at least you all can do it. We, we play some part in it. And all I can think about it, and don't take this the wrong way, is like, I can't believe we're still doing it that way. Like, <laughs> you, you would have thought by now yeah. we'd come up with like, like it's so retro. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that somewhere in some lab, they're trying to figure out how to just grow humans in a tube fully, you know, nine months in a tube, but it does seem, I mean, I don't know. It is weird when you, I never thought about it that way. Like we've been doing it for humans been doing it forever. That that's the only way to do it really. So yeah, I guess, I guess that's what we got, but it's just the more you, you think about it, it's just, the, the processes that are involved. So not in my body, right? I have a simplified version of what you have because my body can't do that. We put out a thing and then, but you all have, and you all have eggs. That's the thing that it's like, yep. how does that like, so like a chicken and uh, yeah, my science isn't very good here, but I do know that there's, there are eggs involved and that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, Well, an interesting thing that I read about, I think on an Instagram, someone posted on Instagram is when a female embryo fetus is created, even when it's just, it's inside its mother and it's, it's definitely a female though. It already has its full supply of eggs. She already has her full supply of eggs that she'll have when she's an adult. So literally if when I was, when I was pregnant with my daughter, she was holding the eggs that will one day be, if she has children, then mm-hmm. they be her children. So I'm in fact, not only carrying my daughter, I was carrying my future grandchildren if they ever come to be, which kind of freaked me out because we think about, you know, like just the, I, and I don't, it's like the infinite, like, Ooh, it's yeah. I don't even know how to explain how I feel about that. It was just struck me as really bizarre that, you know, you're carrying generations inside your body, which seems, I don't know. <laughs> it's well, yeah. You're giving birth in a way to your, your grandchild in, in a sense. I mean, not, not technically, but it's like those, it's like mirrors. When you look at mirrors on mirrors and stuff like that, and they go back right. and forth, like go into infinity and you're like, Oh, that's, Ooh, that's weird. You know, something to think about. it's 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 pretty phenomenal and uh yeah i have not experienced it other than i mean being birthed that happened to me but (laughs) in other ways i've not been been a part of that process but uh let's see there's so many things i want to talk about and doing so without putting my foot in my mouth let's see if i could do that because i I mean please (laughs) my curiosity 
is stronger than my tact. So sometimes, I have no filters, so please. <laughs> we'll see if I need to edit. If there's any harsh cuts in this podcast, you'll know I said the wrong thing. All right. But let's see. What do I want to talk about? I want to talk about puking. Like that's not going to set you off, is it? No. Okay. Yeah. Some people can't even talk. So not like getting into, but so the biology behind the pregnant woman puking, like, have you heard anything around that? Like the science behind that? Um, I have, I have not, although it's, you know, some women do some women don't some women, and I don't know how far it is, is into superstition or old wives tales, you know, that, um, if you're having, a girl, then you are more nauseous hmm. or you're, it's an imbalance in hormones. As far as I am aware, um, it just throws your body off. So like with my two, my two oldest are boys. I wasn't nauseous at all with them. My, uh, daughter, I was nauseous the entire time enough that I had to be placed on medication. Wow. This one, um, <laughs> which I, it doesn't bother me to talk about it, but it was twins. Um, because and I guess the science behind it, as was explained was, which kind of made me laugh was um, when you're older, when you're my age, your body is, it's like a fire sale. There's pumping out those eggs, like go, go, go. And so it was fraternal twins. Um, so at the beginning, I was very nauseous before I had any idea it was twins. Um, I was very nauseous. So I thought, oh, it must be a twin. It must be a girl. Then I went in uh, to the doctor and they let my nausea had stopped. I went into the doctor, they did an ultrasound and they said, well, the one passed, we don't know if it was a boy or a girl, but the one that survived is a boy, but, and mm -hmm. I had stopped being nauseous. So I don't know how scientific that whole thing is, but for me, that's how it worked. Well, they do know that temperature for certain animals creates like the temperature of a womb or something like that. But somebody who's had both, I, I don't know how that works, but they do, they have found, I can't remember if it's for amphibians or whatever, they can heat up the situation where they're in and they can create females or males. Oh, I think I've read that. Yeah. Well, I've read that in, um, stressful situation. Well, uh, you know, it, not that it creates, but in a stressful situation, if a woman is under extreme stress, uh, a female fetus is more likely to survive than a male that um male male embryos fetuses are are more likely to be miscarried if the woman's body is under great stress which i thought was interesting but i guess that doesn't create a female or male so sure but no that's that's fascinating too and all fits into this this topic but the yeah. thing that i heard about the puking which i don't like to always research that i like to just hear things <laughs> and just entertain them yeah. is um so the puking is it's basically a sensitivity, right? It's just, if just in case this might be a little rotten, the body's like, let's protect the fetus thing. So that's simple oh, the concept. Yeah. Well, and then I know that, uh, I don't seem to, well, I do my sense of smell, like my, mm. it's much more sensitive. So I can, like, right. I can smell people who stink or I've become really sensitive to like breakfast meats. So I can't eat bacon or sausage anymore, which I love. Like, it's just too meaty. It smells or like raw hamburger. It mm -hmm. smells bloody. Yeah. Well, I think sense. that ties in the idea of sniffing out potentially anything that could rot or be harmful yeah. or, or disease carrying something like that, that, that might, so yeah, it gives you superpowers while it, it might slow you down. Not that kind of superpower, but a different, right. 
different kind of, of superpower there. Yeah. So does shifting it slightly here, does, does pregnancy affect your, your writing practice in any way? Um, well, it has because I'm much more tired. <laughs> so I, I, so I also tend to fall asleep when I'm editing my own writing, which is a horrible thing to say. And it cracks <laughs> I'm like, I need to, I need to go to sleep. I guess I better try to edit some of my own work. Um, so it has somewhat, and, and I, every time I've gotten pregnant, I've thought, you know, oh, this is going to be great. Cause I will have to rest a lot and I'll get a chance to sit around and just write and read. And that's never what happens. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. it's one of those things, but, um, it has affected it somewhat just because I'm, I'm tired. And I think I'm kind of like at this point, like nesting, like getting stuff. Hmm. prepared and I do a lot of cleaning and things um like I'm full of kind of nervous energy but right. I mean it hasn't it hasn't changed it that much besides the topic I'm writing about now so sure yeah, yeah. well that's interesting all I know is yeah if I had a thing inside of me it might change some of my habits but yeah. uh, I just just <laughs> always curious about that so there are obviously literature and film out there that deals with with pregnancy, I haven't done any real research on this. I just a couple things off the top of my head. So of course there's Rosemary's baby, obviously. So Ira Levin's book and then the movie directed by uh, what's his face. And so there it's, it's basically the whole thing does take place with the, the pregnancy. And so spoiler alert, it's, a, right. it's, it's not a normal baby, but um, so there's that. And then the, then of course there's when the baby comes out and it's, slightly evil so we can go everything to, from omen but the tiny assassin was something it's a ray bradbury short story that's about it's about an infant mm -hmm. that is not cool and basically it, it the premise is there is nothing more selfish <laughs> in the world than an infant or mm -hmm. potentially a fetus so right curious what you think about that <laughs> well um what is it called again i'm gonna have to write it down the tiny assassin it's tiny in his assassin. october country collection oh okay i'm gonna type it in so um that's totally i mean that's spot on because that's there is there's honestly nothing more and it's not i mean there's nothing more selfish than a baby <laughs> or and that makes it sound bad like it's not bad enough you know, they're born and they, they need you just to do everything for them. Mm -hmm. So it's that kind of selfishness and you do it because they're your kid and you love them. And, and so you want to take care of them. You want to see them survive, um, and thrive. And then as they get older, they need you less. Um, and in the best, best case scenario, then they start returning the love and the caring for you right. said it becomes a circle, but yeah, there's nothing. I mean, sometimes I do. I'm like, my body is a wreck <laughs> because of this is my fourth. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's the best thing. It really is. Like mm -hmm. I said, I'm complaining, but it's the best thing to be a mother, but it is like kids are selfish, but in the best possible way. So sure. Yeah. So the fetus, the human fetus, it's a very primitive thing compared to a lot of other species, which is why we incubate for so long. Right. And then they even, they even come out. They're not really done. Like that's why we have to take right. care of them forever. Like a deer is up there, you know, running around in like a few hours. Yeah. So I don't really have any 
points about that. That's <laughs> just something <laughs> I'm mentioning. I just noticed. Yeah, I mean, it, we are we are a an undeveloped species. Like we take a while to ripen. <laughs> That's a funny way to put it, but yes. Um, and I think some of the you know when you uh, I can't think of any movies off the top of my head, but it, I think it's hor well. So I guess human babies are born and you're right they're, they need to ripen so you you spend this obscene amount of time teaching them to do things like take care of themselves and walk and and all those things and i i mean i've seen quite a few horror movies and i think i've read some horror some read some horror where all of a sudden it's changed where if the human is the prey and your baby can't take care of itself like what like you're in a because you can't stop a baby from crying you can't or like um mm, what was that movie with oh a silent place is that mm. the movie yeah where she gives birth and you just feel so much it's been a few years since i've seen it but you, it, there's so much tension because if you can't make noise how do you keep a baby from crying except to smother it i guess right. which is horrifying so yeah. i think it can be an interesting flip when you think about the fact that humans have evolved because we are the apex predator typically and if we're not that throws i mean i wonder if humans would evolve differently over time if we had a chance if we were suddenly the prey for that reason like if we would just if we would be like horses you know we have a baby and he hops up and walks away right. he's good so right right because we're too comfortable and yeah the, the other animals they have to be able to run right away yeah it's true yeah uh, not sure what we can do about that but we could try. no <laughs> but <I'm... laughs> we could try we could like get up get up little infant start running okay. come on i mean it'd be a good if there was a science if someone did write like a science fiction thing and you know if we did have the capability to 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 bake the babies in you know like grow them I can't think of the word, you know, outside of a human body and then ripen them to the point where, you know, they're good enough that they can defend themselves and whatever, then I guess I'm sure there's been something written about that. But yeah, I think it's interesting that um, we're one of the only species that humans take so long to grow up. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, basically the human brain that they find doesn't fully mature until 25. No. So, yeah, 25 more years and, then, no. and they'll be free. No, they can do other things in the meantime. They're just not, they're oh, not Lord, fully done. So. But I did see something the other day and I don't remember where it was basically an ad. And I think it was, I don't think it was a serious current ad, but it was, this might be in the future. And it was basically like little incubators that you could have in the kitchen and watch your baby form on its own. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that babies can like hear when you play Mozart to your belly and and hear people yelling and 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 get it? Um I feel two ways about it. So at one point when I had when I was pregnant with my first, I was kind of in that like I'm going to be super mom playing only, you know, Mozart and classical music and and all of that and um make sure that i remain really calm and he only get he only hears good things and whatever but that's not i mean 
I don't know if it helped or not <laughs> because then after my first, I was like, okay, like I don't have time to deal with any of that. Yeah. So um, I do think, I do believe that, well, I know. So I know I'm far enough along that the baby can hear noises outside the belly. So it's something like if a dog is close to me and starts barking really loudly, suddenly he startles like, Ooh, away from it, right. which is really, yeah, it's really weird. Wow. Um, because it won't startle me because I see the dog. I know it's there, but he can't see it. So it startles him. Um, and I don't know necessarily if, I mean, I would imagine probably hearing really stressful situations outside, but it's so muffled. I mean, I don't know how muffled it is in there, but I do think probably when, if I get up, if the mother gets upset or your, your body is because when you're stressed, you're just releasing all of that. Like, I don't know the scientific word for it. It's not endorphins. It's the opposite. Cortisol. Yes. So cortisol or whatever sorts of poisons, you know, your body is like adrenaline and you're, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it gets, it would get into the baby system and it's not good for them. Like to live under that sort of stressful condition. Could be, or or maybe it makes it stronger, right? If you coddle it too much, it just comes out a big wimp and (laughs) maybe you don't want to just listen to classical music. Maybe you want some Norwegian death metal in the mix. Possibly. I will take that into consideration. No, don't. (laughs) Definitely don't take anything I'm saying into consideration. Yeah. (laughs) So so a couple other topics. We have to talk about breast milk, right? Just like, I mean, I don't know what there is to say about it, but that, that alone, just that concept alone, that milk comes from humans. I don't know. Can you just talk about that? Like, what does it feel like to be a milk provider. <laughs> um, I've never, I guess. I think that's the clinical term, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, they use it in medical, <laughs> medical field, milk provider. Um, so I, again, I have a very, so I've met, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like controversy, controversy within the like within mothering, like breast milk or formula or or whatever. And some women like have issues providing like their bodies just won't do it, which, um, you know, if they really want to, I feel bad for them. I have, I myself, and this might be too much information for everyone. Um, I have no problem. Like I am a, like I'm a dairy cow. Like I, <laughs> I was actually like, I was asked by the hospital after every one of my kids, because my body is so good at producing it. And it produces so much that I was asked if I wanted, if I could donate milk wow. to babies who've been born prematurely or whose mothers couldn't, couldn't provide. I think it's cool that the human and your milk changes over time. So I guess when the baby is first born, it provides them with like, it, it gets to know, this is what your baby needs. And I don't know how, Hmm. again, not a scientist, but like when it's first born, it's high in fat, your milk's high in fat because the baby needs to gain weight and then it changes and it gives it different nutrients and things over time. Um, which is, is crazy and awesome, but I will say I breastfed all of my kids. I will breastfeed this one. I'm not looking forward to it because it is, it is, you have again, a little parasite hooked onto you. And when he's first born, he'll be with me, you know, he'll want to feed like 15 times a day. 
and it's like yeah. a constant like here they are just on display for everyone and it's exhausting but it's great also so I mean so I feel both ways about it but I don't even remember what the initial question was <laughs> I just I basically just said breast milk and then oh uh, okay that yeah was about it I mean, it's good. It's, oh, it's, I mean, it can be really, it is great. You know, you get physical contact with the baby, you get the the nutrients. I mean, I do it because I think, I think it's, it's good for them and you get to be close to the baby. It is horrible though. Also, because for someone like me, who's, I produce so much that you can touch if I'm topless, you could poke my boob and the milk will squirt across the room. Like it's under that much pressure. And that's the honest to God truth. Um, and so my shirts get soaked and they sell like things that are like feminine pads, um, that you can put in. I, I soak right through them. Like it's bad. I can't, I won't be able to leave the house for like three months until my body starts to, it's like, my body can't figure out it goes into overdrive. Yeah. It wants, it wants me to have a litter apparently like it's providing enough for a litter of children. These are the details I want. This is why I have this podcast. This is how I learn. (laughs) This is excellent. So one other thing I wanted to ask you about. So the idea of the, the pregnant woman glow, now you do have a glow about you. I don't know if it's the light or lighting or what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) What, what is that concept? What is that? Could that be real? Does that come from something? Um, I don't know. I had read and I, this held true for me. I had read if you're having, well, I'd read and I had also like my mother had told me this and things that, you know, this is how, you know, if you're having a boy or a girl, if you're having a boy, you start, you glow and you, you're beautiful and your hair gets better and your skin clears up. If you're having a girl, they suck all the beauty out of you and then (laughs) you look hideous. And I did, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I just remember looking in the mirror and thinking, (gasps) what is wrong with me? I look like an old crone. Um, but again, not scientific, but I mean, I think just, uh, how a woman's body reacts is, you know, the hormones, I think I'm pretty lucky. So like some women are like, Oh, my acne gets bad and, mm-hmm. you know, stretch marks and sweating. And I don't really have any of any of that. So mm-hmm. I've been lucky. So, and I think it depends on if a woman is happy, if a woman's happy, I think we've all seen I've, and I've seen, especially during the summer, women who are walking around who are pregnant, who look so miserable because they're so it's a hundred degrees. It's been a hundred degrees in Colorado. And so there's women walking around that I'm like, oh man, I know that pain. You know, you look like an orangutan with that big stomach and you're just miserably hot and you're like, oh, and maybe that's not glow. That's just sweat, sweat and misery. <laughs> maybe that's all it's ever been. I, I don't mean, know. probably. <laughs> well, that's, Totally fascinating. But so on that note, where can folks find your work? Um, at any bookstore, online, um, any retailer, honestly. Uh, any If you're in Colorado, all of the libraries carry my books. Um, Amazon, obviously. So pretty much anywhere. And how would you generally describe the stuff that you write? Uh, it's crime fiction. So generally it's about... Uh, someone once told me, you only seem to write about women, um, wives who want to murder their husbands. So maybe that's on brand (laughs) for me, but, um, it's just, it's crime. It's dark crime fiction is what I tend to write. Well, 
from what I've read of it, it's excellent and I can definitely recommend it. And thank you, Joanne, so much for coming into my nightmare. All right. Thank you for having me. For sure. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great, and sometimes disturbing, weekly episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, Moline, from D&T Publishing, you can find a copy of the paperback hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or Josh'sWorstNightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg. <laughs>